Hello and welcome to Unboss. I'm your host, Nina Turner. Let me unmute my mic. Hello, somebody. Hello. And I'm so glad to have Jessica B, Jessica Burbank in the co-host chair today. Jessica, how are you doing? Good to hear you loud and clear and good to be back in action on such a big news day. Yes, a tremendous news day. And I just have a feeling as we get closer and closer to 2024, the news is going to be just teeming over and we at TYT will be right here to cover it. So we're going to start off with the black unionists in the great state of Florida who are pushing back on none other than Governor Ron DeSantis, aka DeSanctimonious. And he has a new nickname coming from the president of the coalition of black trade unionists. I want to share that with you, but they're making it known that they are not going to play with DeSantis. So President Terry Melvin said the following during a CBTU event, a 2023, matter of fact, their, their convention, he said the following, a paranoid minority wants us silenced everywhere except on a stage or on a basketball court. You better say that Terry McMillan. In other words, we all right as black folks be able to entertain this country, but anything other than that, they don't want us. He is really, I mean, he really, really hit the nail on the head about the psyche, unfortunately, of far too many in this country and he was not holding back. And he also gave, as I mentioned earlier, Governor DeSantis a new nickname. He called him Ron DeSatan. I don't know. He might have President Donald J. Trump on dissent on the sanctimonious. I'm I'm torn now between the two. He also decried the fact that DeSantis wants to eradicate the existence of black and brown people, calling it dangerous and anti-democratic. The president, Terry McMillan, that is, is so correct on that. And he was jabbing hard at the ultra-right, including former President Donald J. Trump. President Terry Melvin went on to say the following, DeSantis and the radical right are weaponizing ignorance and repeating lies as a central strategy at the core of the radical right assault on democracy and our black presence on this soil, which is saturated with the blood of our ancestors. You better go ahead and say that. He laid that out and we're gonna come back to that. So I want the team to be ready to put that back up because we're gonna break that all the way, I mean, all the way down. So he continues to talk about how this particular governor has a problem with the truth. I mean, he really does. And on lies, you know, him lying about the history of African Americans in this country, not even wanting the history to be told, the weaponizing of ignorance and frustration is one of the oldest tricks in the book. And this dude is pulling from that book. And he continued to cook this dude, the radical rights assault on democracy and our black presence on this soil, which is saturated with our blood, the blood of our ancestors. Damn right, he got that all the way right. The blood, the blood of black people built this joint and it made the, this the hegemonic nation that it is today. So Jessica, let's, you know, we're gonna, just go into this and you're muted too. Yep, and we're ready. Yep. So any right. thoughts on what President Terry Melvin had to say and really how they are going hardcore, not holding anything back on DeSantis? Yeah, DeSantis has been cosplaying as this kind of populist candidate. That's not at all the case. Uh, he might cater towards the kind of working class people that have been tricked into this narrative that he would actually represent them if he was elected to public office. It is always black union leaders that are demonized more than anyone else fighting for the rights of workers. That's a huge problem. When DeSantis says that once he's in office, his goal is to eradicate woke leftists, that is a dog whistle. When you have someone running for president who says that the people pointing out how the system oppresses them and doesn't work for them and works against them, that those people are your target, and they're a threat to you, you're very clearly outing yourself as part of the problem, as someone who is dedicated to being an oppressor. When workers are asking for better working conditions, 
they're not a bigger threat to the country than the corporations that are not only exploiting our labor and keeping our wages low so we can hardly afford to pay our bills. A lot of them are the same corporations that are polluting the planet and making it so that hurricanes that hit Florida quite frequently are more severe, that we experience flooding and wildfires. They're destroying our planet while charging us extremely high prices for gas. When we think about the five largest oil companies in the West, they had a combined profit of $200 billion in 2022. So they're getting rich off of workers' backs and destroying the planet. But your focus on the, the woke leftists, the people who are pointing this stuff out, that's who you think is a threat. That's who the goal of your political campaign is to target. You're not our guy then, I'm sorry. If you're not fighting for the workers, if you're not fighting so that the planet is livable, you're not our guy. You're not the person we should elect as president. So of course DeSantis is gonna pick a fight with these people. And he's, or these folks, the union leaders and the union activists are right that DeSantis is the necessary target. So that we can point out these contradictions before his campaign picks up any more steam. Absolutely, he is definitely, Jessica, not the guy. And the war with the left, war on woke. First of all, he doesn't even understand the origins of woke, which a lot of people don't. They took it and ran with it. Some white leftists took this word and they used it, or neoliberals, I should say, used this word out of context, out of control. And GOP members like DeSantis took it and ran with it. Now, if he has a problem, though, just this is my thing, and I want all of our family and friends. I want everybody to understand this, sisters and brothers. If DeSantis and others have a problem with the origin story of this country, then they need to take that up with their ancestors. But don't cheat children out of the ability and younger adults out of the ability to learn the good, the bad, and the ugly. And this is exactly what this man is doing. Absolute power corrupts, absolutely. So again, if he has a problem with the sides of this of this history that he doesn't like, he gotta take that up with somebody else. But I wanna walk us down memory lane because he doesn't seem to understand. He doesn't want things taught in history that would make some folks uncomfortable. Well, if the truth makes you uncomfortable, uh, uh, Mr. DeSantis, aka DeSanctimonious, aka Ron DeSatan, okay, you got a problem here, but we're gonna walk people down memory lane. This right here from the Gilder Lerman Institute of American History. Let us just remind some folks who actually built this joint. Slavery was indispensable to European development of the new world. It is inconceivable that European colonists could have settled and developed North America and South America and the Caribbean without slave labor. Now hold it right there, leave that right there, put Jessica up. Let me tell y'all something folks, that is the truth. And if people got a problem with it, that is their problem. That is the irrefutable truth. That this nation with all of this flowery words, all of the aspirations, all of that. All that the framers were running from as they were trying to get away from King George and you know, give me liberty and give me death. That was Patrick Henry when they had an opportunity to eradicate the enslavement of black people in this country. They didn't do it. They told King George, give us our damn freedom. But what we gonna do is we gonna keep Africans and then their American descendants in slaves. That's what they did. So the sanctimonious, de Satan, whatever the hell your name is these days, if you have a problem with that history, take it up with your ancestors. We're gonna go on further. So slavery was indispensable to European development of the new world. It is inconceivable that European colonists could have settled and developed North America, South America, and the Caribbean without slave labor. Let's underline it, let's bold it, let's underscore, let's put it in a message on a bottle, on a train. Moreover, slave labor did produce the major consumer goods that were the basis of world trade during the 18th and early 19th centuries. Coffee, cotton, rum, sugar, tobacco. Okay, bruh, so if you got a problem with that, then you got a problem with your ancestors. And here's the beautiful part right here. We're about to put this next part up. In the pre-Civil War United States, a stronger case can be made that slavery played a crucial role in economic development. One crop, slave grown cotton, provided over half of the US export earnings. You hear me? Do you hear me now? Do you hear me, DeSantis, the Sanctimonious? By 1840, the South grew 60% of the world's cotton. Huh? 
know somebody. 60% of the world's cotton and provided some 70% of cotton consumed by the British textile industry. You know, I ain't got enough papers to throw, not yet. So, dude, again, and you know what? See, Jessica, see, this kind of stuff won't be taught in schools because he's a coward. He's an absolute coward who is absolutely using his power to corrupt, to disrupt, to destroy, to lie, to malign, to cheat, to steal, to kill. And as my grandmother used to say, my maternal grandmother used to say, never let the truth get in the way of a good story. But if the scientist or the scientist has his way, none of this stuff will be understood. So just, I, I just need somebody to riddle me this. What is wrong with telling the truth? There's nothing wrong with telling the truth. You can't rewrite history because it makes you feel uncomfortable because the history will always be there. There will always be families in the United States who are black who have to answer the question when asked by their child, where did we come from? I don't know. The first descendant of my family came here as a servant and we can pinpoint exactly where they came from because there are records of that. Black Americans don't have that. That history is every day and lived by every black family in the United States. And that's something that a lot of folks, even folks who are pretty dedicated and educated in politics and dedicated to racial justice, it's just a reality that they don't wanna grapple with because it's uncomfortable. We have to teach this history because the history is real. Because the wealth that's been accumulated off of unpaid labor off of chattel slavery. The wealth is still concentrated in the hands of descendants of former slave owners. So Come for you on. to ignore that history when that history is real and exists and defines reality for so many people today, you just can't not teach it. It's a part of our country, it's a part of our current economic setup. Mississippi is the country in the United States with the most wealth inequity today. They have the highest poverty rates in Mississippi, why? because of the history of slavery in the United States. And so you have to teach history because history is what created our reality. You can't redefine history. And this is something that they love doing and we have to fight against it because we're never gonna get the change that we want and the policies that we need. Just teaching the history is the bare minimum, but we need reparations. Who's gonna correct that wealth distribution if they don't understand why the wealth distribution is what it is? So that, that's, that's where I stand on it. And just you said a key point, we gotta understand it to correct it. So you can't run from it and reparations are due to the descendants of formerly enslaved people mm -hmm. in this country, period. The facts is this nation would not be a hegemon nation, but for it. And one more point from the Gilder Linnerman Institute, the slavery paid for a substantial share of capital. This is it, a capitalist society, right? Iron and manufactured goods, that laid the basis for American economic growth. Jessica just laid that out for you. So in other words, there is still a direct connection to what happened in the past and what is happening currently in the future. The wealth, the racial wealth gap is a product of this. Black folks never got the 40 acres in the mule. Maybe we wouldn't be in this situation if in fact that debt had been paid, but it was not paid. And so there is a direct line, not a crooked line, a direct line between what happened to enslaved people and their descendants and what is happening now, especially economically, socially, and politically. But DeSantis is a coward. America, I want you to understand that. That man stood up there and said, I'm going to declare war on leftists. Instead of saying, I am going to fight to declare war on poverty. I'm gonna help to lift businesses. I'm gonna help work on climate chaos. Oh No, this dude, because it is a bullhorn. He's speaking to a certain type of white person in this country who, who believes in that kind of stuff, who can be shaken by that, who as he paints people as the other, whether it's the LGBTQ plus community, black community, brown community, poor people, he continues to paint them as the other. This is in fact the problem. So again, governor, and I use that term lightly, if you got a problem with it, take it up with your ancestors, this. So slavery paid for the capital, the iron and the manufactured goods that laid the basis for American economic growth. In addition, precisely because the South specialized in cotton production, 
The North developed a variety of businesses that provided services for the slave South, including textile factories, a neat process, a processing industry, insurance companies, shippers, and cotton brokers. So everybody, Lottie Dottie and everybody benefited from the enslavement of Africans and then their American descendants, everybody. And so there's nobody that got clean hands on this, not even the North. They all reap the benefits of black people's misery, generation after generation. This man has a problem and America, we can never, ever, ever let him become president. We gonna stay on DeSantis and I can't wait to hear our viewer comments, Jessica. Uh, they gonna come in hot today, I cannot, we stand on him. He can never be president of the United States of America. He is dangerous and he is undemocratic. And again, shout out to President Terry McMullen who laying it out, I mean, he making it known. Child labor violation, talking about violations. I mean, violations are happening all over the place. So the owner of six Northern Nevada Sonic locations is under a federal investigation after they were found in violation of child labor laws. I mean, just cavalierly doing the thing and not caring at all. And they're being aided and abetted by GOP governors all across the country. So the federal investigation found the operator illegally allowed 14 and 15 year olds to work more hours at times, more hours and at times permitted by federal child labor regulations and assigned them to operate manual deep fryers a task considered a hazardous occupation. I mean, you gonna let kids handle hot grease? Really? And then what were the adults around that place doing? Did everybody think that was okay to let children handle hot grease? I mean, this is a whole lot, this sounds like child abuse to me. The US Department of Labor's wage and our division determined SDI of Neil LLC, which operates as Sonic Drive-In, committed more than 170 violations of the child labor provisions of the Fair Labor Standards Act. Now this report is coming from News 4 and Fox 11. The division also recovered $274 in overtime back wages which is not a lot, and liquidated damages for two young workers denied overtime pay for hours over 40 in a work week by the employer. So let me get this straight. Not only are you overworking children, breaking the law, then you got the pure unadulterated gall to hold a overtime wages. The investigators also determined that the employer hired one employee who was then 13 years old. The owners of SDI of Neo LLC and the company's owner, Taylor, Ian and Quinn Kane paid $71,000 and some change in civil penalties. That seems like not enough. Jessica, your thoughts on this? Yeah, so the Sonic franchise average profit margin is 18 to 22%. That's pretty high. Uh, it's about $320,000 a year. That's a, a big profit margin. What do you have to do to become the owner of a Sonic franchise? You have to have good enough credit. You have to be able to afford to take out a loan with the bank to open one up. Then what is your job? Okay, you have to hire a GM. That GM hires managers, those managers hire staff. The staff are the people who are gonna cook the burgers and actually do the work to bring that revenue and that profit in. So what do you do as an owner? Nothing at all, really. And you're cashing a check for $320,000 a year. Who are your managers hiring? Children? Why? Because those are who will take the jobs because everyday people now can't afford to live on a minimum wage job. Kids don't have to pay rent. They're usually not the ones paying the groceries. They don't have a mortgage. They don't have to pay health insurance. They don't have the same bills that a person that is an adult has. And so they're being cheap. They could very well afford to hire workers at a living wage. They're choosing not to and they're hiring children instead. Why? Because they're greedy. It's just 
unsustainable, unfettered capitalism. And now, what is that child's life? I mean, they probably have parents that are working very hard as well, and they have no choice but to get a job to help provide for their family, keep a roof over their head and food on their own table. That is an absurd way to live, and it's entirely avoidable because does the owner of a Sonic who simply was able to get approved for that bank loan? Do they really deserve those $320,000 doing no work? No, like they shouldn't be legal to pay people this low and for you to make this much money off of not contributing to the economy whatsoever. You're not doing any added value labor when you just own a restaurant franchise. It's all the workers that are creating the value. That's who's taking your order at the window, that's who's cooking your burger. And now we're depending on children so that rich people can make more money. It's absolutely absurd. It's very cruel and it's telling what kind of society we are. Look, I don't have a problem with wealth. I got a problem with gluttony and greed. Mm. I got a problem with people who make their wealth off of the backs and the necks of other people and now our children too. I mean, this is a sign, this is a symbol of a corrupt society. When we don't take care of our children, and our elders, baby, we, we're lost. We're absolutely lost. And now, unfortunately, just I mean, first of all, the penalty. Let's let's talk about what the feds had to say because the penalty really is is really nothing at all. I mean, they were not penalized enough. I mean, that's not enough money to penalize them. But how has it been resolved? Well, here's a statement from the U.S. Department. Uh, the U.S. Department District Director Gene Roman said the following: They've entered into an enhanced compliance agreement. Which basically states that going forward, they'll look to maintain compliance, making sure other managers are aware of child labor laws so that as far as we we're concerned, they're looking to make sure that they stay compliant on board. That's BS. I mean, to me, the fans are letting them off lightly. First of all, the fine was nothing. And then you're gonna say that you feel like they're gonna follow directions, follow it. No, they ain't gonna follow nothing. They're not following it. Because if they feared it, they wouldn't have broke it in the first place. And as I was mentioning, these daggone governors across this country are absolutely involved in child exploitation. America, are we gonna go down this path? Are we gonna continue to be complicit in our own demise? And now they pulling our babies into it too. And let me tell you something, when you have parents and they can't make a living wage, that impacts the children. And now the children gotta work too? America, we got a problem. Wrap your mind around this first half of the show and Jessica and I will be right back. We cannot wait to read your comments. Welcome back to the show, it's hot, hot, hot. Before we get to your comments, wanna remind you, you should become a member of TYT for $4.99. Make that investment and keep independent media jumping. On TYT, we give, it, we give it to you like many do not. And so that $4.99 a month can have a huge impact in helping us continue to keep our independent media flowing. We need you, so do that for us. Absolutely, and then tune in to TYT's Pride Special on Thursday, June the 1st at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and 5 p.m. PT time. We'll be joined by guests, a whole host of guests and John and Adrian Lawrence are going to host all of the guests, including some of our very own Marissa Matthews, Benny Carrillo. Ooh, wow, it's gonna be a hot, hot show. So tune in again on June the 1st at 8 p.m. ET or 5 p.m. PT. Now onto my favorite part of the show, your comments. We're starting with Twitch, them runny eggs. <laughs> them runny eggs, how you doing? Ah, Nina, let's GG go. Much love fam, thank you for that. Sending that love right back to you. Morber. I hope I pronounced that correctly. How is every frame she owns so amazing? <laughs> well, thank you, baby. I got so many frames. It is, it is, but thank you for that. I got see now I gotta keep it up. 
because y'all watching. Loving this asymmetrical thing going on. Thank you so much, darling. I appreciate you. Haku Dragon, hey Haku Dragon. We need to give Nina a members only one half hour so she can say what's really on her mind <laughs> while she's throwing papers and fire extinguishers. <laughs> I would love that. We would definitely, definitely have to do that. <laughs> Industrial trends, industrial alerts, I think. They're not trying to rewrite history, they're trying to erase it. You got that right, and I hope I pronounced your handle correctly. You are right, they are not trying to, to, to rewrite history, trying to erase it. That is such a good point. And PG Sherry, my husband has been taking a bunch of classes about black history as part of his history degree. We just learned about how we have the free slaves to thank for free public education. I had no idea. How much history has been lost, glossed over, changed, and intentionally left out and a whole bunch of question marks. Peachy Sherry, you are so right about that. And good luck to your hubby and his history degree. Glad he's taking that class and sharing what he has learned on YouTube Super Chat. What else Elski happened? I love, love, love this woman. Thank you, baby. Sending that love back. And Ford Country, calling him the Satan is an is an insult to Satan. You're right about that. That's pretty daggone low. We gotta find something. <laughs> what else? Uh, what else? Key happened? Can it really be true that this dangerous man has a serious following outside of Florida? God knows. I hope not. But we shall soon see. Jarver Ellis. Let's be honest. Ron the Sanctimonious is scared of us. Should have called him Ron Disappointment. Very great point there. Jan Morgan, CRT simply teaches American America's history of racism, which students need to understand to be informed citizens. Yes, and a finer point on that. It talks about it from a systemic perspective, social, political, legal. And guess what? It is not taught in K through 12. It is barely taught in any college courses outside of law school. Really what this man wants, he just doesn't want any history that's taught that doesn't paint this country as all good all the time. That's 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 what this dude wants, but we can't let him get away with that. Thank you for that, Jan. And Jen Hack, if you don't teach and explain what a nightmare it was, you will have a new ignorant generation willing to repeat it. Such a great point. You're doomed to repeat the history if you don't understand it. And you know what? Understanding what happened in the past gives us an opportunity to make a better future. How about that? Now to our TYT members, Lynn, Nina, I need new glasses. Can you please go shopping with me for our glass frames? You are the queen of glasses. All right, Lynn, shoot a sister an email. We can do that. And then Sexy Speed Racer. Hey, Sexy Speed Racer, it's been a minute. Great to have two of the smartest, most beautiful inside and out. And caring women on this planet here today on TYT. Well, Jessica and I received that baby. Thank you so much. And back at you. And Wolf Dragon Donna. <laughs> Wolf Dragon Donna. The Dragon Squad is in full effect. I love that name. Love you, Nina and Jessica. Put Jessica up so we can tell Wolf Dragon Donna, we love you too, baby. We received that. <laughs> We received that. Thank you all so much for your comments. We are sending that love and expressing gratitude to you for helping us boost our show. In the no good agreement, and I mean this, I sigh deeply. In the no good agreement between the White House and the GOP on the debt limit deal, the GOP wants to make changes to food aid programs. They claim it will save money, but like an episode of Family Feud, Survey says that was a lie. According to reporting from the Associated Press, a Republican attempt to expand work requirements for federal food aid in debt legislation moving through Congress would increase federal spending by $2.1 billion over 10 years, far from the cuts GOP lawmakers had promised. So they starving people at higher rates. That's what this comes down to. Starving the people at higher rates. Now, a reminder of what is in the debt limit, in the debt deal. Yeah, it's not really a deal. 
So caps on non-defense spending protects veterans medical care. That's good, we should have universal health care, but I digress. Expands work requirements, claws back COVID-19 relief funds, cuts internal revenue service funding, restarts student loan repayments. And I hate to say that we even had some Democrats who thought that that was okay as well. So the Republicans are not by themselves on that. The Congressional Budget Office laid out how this will go wrong. An estimate from the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office released late Tuesday said that while the new work requirements in SNAP would save money, the added benefits pushed by Democrats would cost more and add almost 80,000 people to the rolls in an average month. The CBO said that the new work rules on their own would reduce SNAP spending by about 6.5 billion over 10 years. But the exemptions added by Democrats for veterans, homeless people and others will cost 6.8 billion over the same period. The agency said the bill will cost another 1.2 billion because the changes would overlap somewhat as they were phased in. Now all they had to do is keep it the way that it was and we wouldn't be in this situation. Imagine the Democrats pushing to make sure that homeless people get food and veterans get food for shame. For absolute shame for them to want people to eat. Of course, Kevin McCarthy pushed back with some usual nonsense. This is what he had to say, come see me in a year and I'll show you how much we've actually saved. You watch a lot of people are going to get jobs. Now the man is asinine, what he's saying is ridiculous. We do have something called the working poor in the United States of America, Jessica. I love how McCarthy's framing of this is, you know, I'm a hero. I'm gonna stay up all day and all night until we get this done, until we get a budget passed and we don't default and we reduce our spending so that we don't surpass the debt limit. And it's absurd. Like, you're claiming to be a hero for fixing a problem that you caused. You could have just raised the debt limit. It's been raised 78 separate times since 1960. Nothing bad happens when you raise the debt limit. Are you protecting veterans health care? If you were the one who threatened it in the first place, like if you spread gasoline over a building and then you light a match and set it on fire and you put it out, are you a hero? Like no, definitely not. And so it's so absurd that they've put themselves in this position because of this arbitrary constraint on public spending. It's necessary for the government to put dollars into the economy. There are things that the private sector just can't deliver on. And moreover, things that we shouldn't rely on the private sector for. For example, public education, healthcare, for example, elderly care. We're not seeing banks give out loans to people who wanna start a small business to provide elderly folks with their medication. It's not a profitable business endeavor to make sure that our grandparents are taken care of. And so what do we need to address this gap in the market? We need the government to step in. We need an economy that meets our material wants and needs. The economy isn't good just when profits are high and returns to shareholders are, are good. Our economy is good when working people meet their very real material wants and needs. And that's a world that our members of Congress don't live in. They don't live in a world where it's a question mark if they have food on the table or a house to go home to and rent is paid and their mortgage is paid. That's not the world they live in, they don't question that. The questions they have are what stocks am I gonna invest in? And so they can't govern on behalf of the people because so many of them are so disconnected from the people. And I think that's at the heart of why we're in the condition we're in right now because they're totally fine <laughs> saying, oh, let's cut these public programs, keep wages low, let the Federal Reserve increase interest rates to reduce employment, which is their intended purpose, and then make it so people can access SNAP benefits unless they have a job. So we're gonna intentionally make people unemployed and then remove their ability to eat. They're perfectly fine with that because it doesn't affect them or their families and that's disgusting, that needs to change. Very disgusting and 70% of the economy, Jessica, is a consumer based economy. So we need people to have disposable incomes so that the cleaners down the street can stay in business, the donut shop, Coffee shop. I mean, we need that. That that is what is necessary to drive the economy. And 
it is the height of immorality to just want people to go hungry. I mean, I don't see how they can get a thrill out of that, but obviously they have found a way. And just because your point is well taken, it is not them or their family, so they could give less than a damn about what is happening in the hoods all over this country. This callous indifference is very telling about what is happening in the United States of America. But I got a question for you people. Where are the work requirements for the ultra wealthy? Where they work requirements at? The billionaires who are going to get even more tax cuts because of this. Where, where, where are they work requirements? How can we, where, where are the requirements for them to do right by their employees? Wanna see that. So one person who's having none of this is Jim McGovern, a Democratic representative of Massachusetts. He was standing up, who said this before the deal was ultimately reached. What the Republicans keep on talking about is work requirements, work requirements. We have work requirements in place for programs like SNAP. And the majority of people on the program actually work. And by the way, the benefit is on average of about $6 per day per person. That's it, $2 on average per meal for every person. That's the benefit. The people who are not working right now who need the benefit are people who are homeless. Some of them are veterans, some of them are people with undiagnosed mental illnesses, kids graduating out of foster care. I mean, we, they really want to go after those people and throw them off of a, of a food benefit? I mean, give me a goddamn break. They really do, and they really did, and the Democrats caved on it. But I'm glad that Representative laid it out there the way, thank you Representative McGovern for laying it out there. It's really pennies on the dollar to help people not starve. But this, again, is who we're dealing with, with the GOP. But some of the Associated Press in this reporting pointed out how the White House essentially worked hand in hand. So of course, we can blame the GOP and the House, but they control the House, but they gotta have a partner to go along with them. Notice that this debt ceiling deal is called the Biden-McCarthy deal. The Biden-McCarthy deal. So hoping you understand, you picking up on the clues, the breadcrumbs that I'm dropping, the Biden-McCarthy deal. So they worked hand in hand with the GOP in squeezing these regressive conditions. Don't, don't, don't care. But the President Biden in his mouthpiece wants to feed us something else that he had no choice. Case in point, this tweet right here. Biden says, compare me to the alternative. Not the almighty. First of all, no one would mistake Biden or any other man or woman walking the face of the earth with the almighty. I just had to put that out there. The alternatives were default or the house bill. The deal is not great, but it's a far cry from what the GOP wanted. Notably, the Republicans played their best card and didn't get much for it. Are you kidding me? They got everything that they wanted for the most part. It's their deal. So don't y'all fall for this. The president is trying to cover his behind. It is the Republicans deal, hence it wouldn't be called the Biden McCarthy or the McCarthy Biden plan. But my stun double had to check in on this nonsense. And you know, when she comes, she don't play, she slays. Better things aren't possible, but worse things are possible isn't a way to lead. Hello, somebody, keep that up. Go and put Jessica in there. I mean, y'all, you feel what I'm saying? Here, better things aren't possible, but worse things are possible. It is in the way to lead, Jessica. And I'm gonna tell you, if that's all you got as the most powerful man walking the face of the earth, then my God, go on and give that, let, let somebody else have that power who really gonna work on behalf of the people. This ain't cutting it for me. Yeah, it's the Biden McCarthy deal. It's giving like Spider-Man, Sandman deal, or like Superman, Lex Luthor deal, right? People that should be theoretically enemies, turns out maybe on the same team, because Biden has the constitutional authority to say, you know what? Actually, according to the 14th Amendment, the public debt shall not be questioned. So you have to issue the bonds to fund public spending. He could have avoided this entire thing. He could have gotten rid of the debt ceiling. He chose not to. Why? 
because we've got the Biden McCarthy deal because guess what? They're actually on the same team when they get in that room and they negotiate. They're not considering what's the best for the American people as an outcome. They're considering what looks the best on paper to our respective political parties. The Democrats want to kind of make it seem like we didn't cut too much stuff. The Republicans want to make it seem like they got some big cuts and they all leave happy. Not considering the single mothers that are going to struggle to feed their kids because they've been made unemployed because of the Federal Reserve's hawkish policy to keep people who are ready and able to work, whose productive capacity could make our country better if we allowed them to work. Instead, they're kept unemployed. And guess what? We remove their ability to get food from SNAP benefits. They're not thinking about those people. They're thinking about their own political careers. And that's why we're in this position now. That is exactly why we are in this position. And to further that, this whole boogeyman that it's all about Donald J. Trump. Well, Donald J. Trump is not in the office anymore. As I recall, because I'm old enough to remember the 2020 election cycle, that then Vice President Biden said, put me in there. I'm the only candidate running in this race. I can do deals with the Republicans. What he neglected to show us was the fine print, that I can do deals with the Republicans and let the Republicans get the upper hand, even though in the 117th Congress I control or my party control both chambers. Even though right now in this new Congress, the 118th Congress, we control two levers of power and they control one. Is that the kind of bipartisanship that he's talking about? The kind of bipartisanship that literally takes food out of people's mouths, is that America? The kind of bipartisanship that we want, the kind of bipartisanship that makes poverty a crime. Is that the kind of leadership that we want? And then to have a president of the flipping United States of America fix his mouth to quote my maternal grandmother to say, don't compare me to the almighty, that this is the best that I could do. Then if this is the best you can do, dude, don't run again. Cause it's the best you can do, we don't need it. Millions of people and millions of people, including children go to bed at night hungry. Hundreds of thousands of people don't have a roof over their head. Millions of people need healthcare. Some people don't have it. Some people are underinsured, not insured, underinsured. People don't have sick time. Paid leave, COVID is still, the impacts of COVID is still ravishing people and businesses in this country. And you won't want to talk about, don't compare you to the almighty. You know what, you, you have no, don't you worry about it. That would never happen, President Joe Biden. You will never be compared to the almighty. And then the other side is worse. We knew that coming in the door that the other side was worse, which is why y'all shouldn't have lost the House of Representatives. But the reason why you lost the House of the Representatives, because you keep tiptoeing through the tulips. Instead of standing up for what is just right and good, you needed to gas up the jet and go all over this country and use that bully pulpit to let people know that the GOP is dangerous. They're dangerous in the Congress. They're dangerous in governor's mansions. They're dangerous in legislatures. They're taking away right to vote. They're messing with people's education. They othering the LGBTQ plus community. Go get folks killed in this country. Y'all can't pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Act when you had the power. You didn't pass the George Floyd Policing Act when you had the power. You let the child tax credit expire. Baby, you ain't got to worry, Joseph R. Biden. You will never be compared to the Almighty, ever. And what would Jesus do? He damn sure wouldn't be capitulating. Anyway. The shadow president is in control though, Jessica. It boggles my mind how the shadow president always gets what he wants. The shadow president and practical, practically a Republican, Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia, put up this headline right here. Biden supports Manchin's permitting bill, advisor Podesta says. And that's another one that shouldn't be up there either. Biden supports Manchin's permitting bill, Jesus. Mary and Joseph, and lo and behold, what was included in the debt deal? That was debt limit bill increases permitting reforms and transmission studies authorizes Mountain Valley Pipeline. We can't make this up. 
More on this on this dangerous pipeline. Let's go and break this down. The Mountain Valley Pipeline has previously been denied multiple permits by courts due to concerns about its effects on water quality and the environment. Environmental justice for the communities it will run through from West Virginia to Southern Virginia. But under this, under the bill, the United States Army Corps of Engineers would be required to issue all remaining permits within 21 days. The bill also exempts attempts to prohibit judicial review of the permits by any governing agency. Y'all know what? Family and friends, hey. I wish I had other stuff to throw. This really, this, see, this is it. This is corruption. You, this is it. Do we got to spell it out anymore? So this dude threatens to run for president of the United States of America, which is his right to do. Don't get me wrong. I ain't mad about it. Everybody should get in there run if you want to run. But he bends over backwards for this dude. Put that up. Put Jessica back up. Did y'all hear? The permits have been denied over and over and over and over and over again. But in this debt ceiling deal, Manchin gets what he wants. Put the other one up. And it don't matter that the water may be polluted, undrinkable, poisoned. Did y'all poisoned? It don't matter. The Mountain Valley pipeline has previously been denied multiple permits by courts due to concerns about its effect on water quality. Jessica, I don't know what else needs to be said. These people are corrupt and immoral as hell. Because when people can't basically get clean water, clean air, clean food, we got children working under the age, handling hot grease, we then catapulted children back into poverty. I mean, what else is there? Talking about comparing him to the almighty. Never, sir. Yeah, absolutely. I think when whenever Joe Biden wants to get something done, he has to call Joe Manchin. Like, if I want to go have a play date at my friend's house, it's like, I don't know, let me call my mom. With Biden, it's like, let me call my Manchin. Let me see if Joe Manchin says it's okay to pass this legislation that's very necessary for the country. And what does Joe Manchin do? Joe Manchin's like, listen, I got a check from these guys. They want to pollute the heck out of the water here. They want to put up a pipeline. So guess what? I'm either going to go on network television and fearmonger and tell lies about how bad the debt ceiling is for the country and how much we need to cut spending. Or you can put this in the bill and I'll agree to your bill. That's how these deals go down. Manchin is the de facto president. If he has the power to pass legislation like this, that's insane. No one man should have that power. We should just expose them for what they are, but they're all playing the same game. That's why no one ever exposes each other for how these deals go down. Jessica, they answer to the same masters. And where, oh where is the Progressive Caucus? There was a quote by Representative Jayapal saying that the White House needed to worry about where the progressives stand. The hell he does. He ain't got to worry about the progressives because if he was concerned about the Congressional Progressive Caucus, it wouldn't be the Biden-McCarthy deal. If he was worried about what they might do, he ain't worried about them at all. So who really is fighting on behalf of Big Mama and Big Papa in hoods where they misunderstood all over this country? Riddle me that. This really is a shame. And could we not also not forget how the president betrayed the rail workers? Let's add that in there. So now you're betraying people in the Virginias with their water. But this this right here, we can never forget it. On the rail strike, Biden turned his back on workers, imposing a contract via legislation that was rejected. I mean, just outright rejected by union rank and file is a gift to rail barons. That's who we dealing with. So he's proven time and time again that he does not stand up for the everyday people in this country. We should not expect more for him on that. Woo, America, America, America. Lord have mercy, I ain't got no more papers to throw. Here we go, we go right on to President Donald J. Trump, former President Donald J. Trump and Fox. The right wingers are in fighting, they are fighting each other again, specifically after former White House press secretary McEnany said this. Kaylee, watch this. Big deal, and the DeSantis team would say, you know, we just had polling come out that shows we closed the gap by nine points since we announced in Iowa. Still, Trump's hugely ahead, but they say they're closing the gap. That's their argument. Hugely. 
Hugely. Um, look, if you look at the big polling lead. now, uh, it was Trump 34 in Iowa. It's now Trump 25. Still a big That's lead. Double digits. Now, that was Fox contributor and former White House press secretary Kaylee McEnany. And she is fighting President Donald J. Trump. She was taking note of the polling between former President Trump and Governor Ron DeSantis. She was taking note of that polling. Both are running for president, as we already know. We're in trouble as a nation, but I digress. Now, the polling still leans in the way of Trump, but it wasn't exactly what President Donald J. Trump wanted to hear because unless it praises him totally and tells him he's the best thing since sliced bread, he don't even want to deal with it. Now, shortly after her comments on Fox News, he put out this post on True Social because he cannot help himself. Kaylee Milktoast. This was his press secretary, Lord have mercy. Milktoast McEnany just gave out the wrong poll numbers. And how does he know they were wrong? Just ask him, he'll tell you. I, on Fox News, I am 34 points up on the sanctimonious, not 25, because uh, 25 just won't do. 25 is not enough. While 25 is great, it's not 34. <laughs> she knew the numbers were corrected upwards. Oh, by this group that did the poll, the rhinos and globalists can have her. Fox News should only use real stars. <laughs> Jessica, I just can't. I can't with this president. I can't with the infighting. But I'm telling you, he definitely is the king of petty, baby. He will go petty on you real quick. That's his former press secretary. Like, she worked in his White House. It's so funny to see him just immediately if someone says something slightly bad about him, slightly unfavorable, you're out, you're done. He doesn't care. It's hilarious to see someone just let their entire life be run by their ego and never think twice about it. But unfortunately, he has a ton of power. And it's like, what do we do with this cohort of folks who are running for president? Chris Christie, uh, you know, getting into the race now. We have DeSantis, we have Donald Trump. On our side, we got RFK Jr., we've got Marion Williamson, we've got Joe Biden. I think we've got to put them all in a house, maybe in, in the Jersey Shore, and we'll run it reality TV show style where there's challenges like negotiate with McCarthy on the debt ceiling or write a health care bill. And then every week, the American people votes their least favorite out, and then the winner becomes president. Because we've already had a president be a former reality TV show star. That's already a problem we have with our existing political process. I don't know, this might just let us lean into the insanity and get some entertainment out of it. Well, Jessica, to <laughs> be continued, we will be reporting on this many, many, many more times. But they are doing this thing, America, we got problems. Well, Jessica and I truly enjoyed our time with you today. Thank you for being with us. If you are catching our show video on demand, thank you for joining us. If you are here with us live, we appreciate you so very much. And you know what I want you to do about this time. I always, always, no matter what is happening in your life, I want you to keep the faith. You gotta all marry that faith with some fight, baby. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network like The Damage Report with John Iderola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.